Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? 10 o'clock, a late night edition. I feel like we're uh, we're just finishing a late uh, afternoon football game here. It's It's been a while since we went this late, but free agency has begun. A, kind of a quiet uh, day for Buffalo Bills fans and, and Miami Dolphins fans, but a lot to react to in the division. So I wanted to bring on Josh Tolentino from The Athletic. He covers the Miami Dolphins, a friend of the program, uh, going back to your days at the uh, covering the Green Bay Packers out in uh, out in Wisconsin, how are you? How's uh, how sunny Miami treating you? Matt Ryan, I was walking my dog this morning right before you know the expected craziness at, at noon hit, and you know it is ninety degrees. Um, the, the weather was uh, very good. What's the weather up there like in Buffalo uh, this time of the year? Felt it was like sunny 14. today. <laughs> yeah, okay, but Ryan. Uh, if 14, though, I was, was going to leave out. with the sun. I was going to leave with the sun. But all right, yeah, just cut right to our hearts. Uh, yeah, it's it's cold. It's freezing. It, it felt like 14 degrees out. I actually was telling my wife I went for a run because it was, it was unseasonably warm last week. So I started getting outside again and running outside. And I took a run today, man. And I told her I got up about a mile in and I, I kind of switched direction. So the wind was coming in my face. And I told her it was kind of good because it sped me up because I needed to get home ASAP because it was so cold and the wind chill was hitting me. So man. we're jealous. Man, uh, yeah, about like 10-minute walk with the dog is like sweating bullets. So then it's like you're immediately ready for free agency. But I, I don't know about you guys, but I thought it was a relatively quiet day. Obviously, you know, the constraints of the salary cap floor being shrunk a little bit here, about 8%. And and the Dolphins, they didn't make too many moves. Obviously, they've got plenty of needs, uh, just as I think every team in the league. But um, in regards to their main needs, wide receiver, pass rush, um, no significant additions on day one. Mm-hmm. You know, take us take us back to the last time that Bills fans, I know, remember, you know, thinking about the Dolphins was that that last game of the season where obviously they enjoyed themselves quite a bit, but it kind of sent them into an off season with plenty of questions, you know, starting at the quarterback position all the way through now that we've seen some, some kind of alterations that they're making to the plan that kind of set 
set out last off season. They moved on from Kyle Van Noy. They tra- traded Shaq Lawson. What's kind of gone into the thinking there? And what do you think that they're setting the stage for? Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to set it up, Matt, is that in week 17, any Dolphins fan, obviously the Bills fans too, they remember how ugly that loss or victory was, you know, depending on which side you're on for, for the Dolphins. I mean, they were, they were embarrassed, obviously to it, uh, the offense, they had their struggles. Um, I think a lot of that was due to uh, wide receiver talent and his weapons. You saw a lot of drops there by, um, you know, receivers who probably aren't going to be on the roster this upcoming season. But more evidently, what I really took away from that game, and I think a lot of other uh, pundits, fans, whatever, took away from that game, uh, you know, the Dolphins, they finished dead last in sacks uh, two years ago in 2019. This past season, they finished 11th. So that's a pretty drastic improvement. But Mm. in the biggest games, most notably week 17 at Buffalo, a do or die game for both teams, really. Um, The Dolphins, they could not pressure. It didn't matter who the quarterback was. Obviously, Josh Allen started the game. Um, They were not able to apply pressure. I mean, that's the message that they're sending here is that Shaq Lawson, uh, Kyle Van Noy, they decided they were expendable. Um, Obviously, we knew they were going to add uh, talent at wide receiver uh, throughout this free agency. That's something they still need to do either in free agency or in the draft or, and I think both, both aspects, but that pass rush, that linebacker spot, I think the front seven is going to look decently. I think there's going to be some turnover there. Uh, obviously they went out and acquired McKinney for in that Shaq Lawson trade. Um, I, to be honest, I liked Shaq Lawson. I thought he was a pretty good weapon. Uh, obviously you guys had worked, had time working with him, interacting with him. Um, getting to know him as a player uh, at his value. I thought he, you know, was pretty productive for the dolphins at his price point, but you know, here the, the dolphins basically said, we're going to fill one need uh, at inside linebacker. Uh, do we, do we, do we get a freeze here? I think we, hey, you guys still there? Sorry. I think it cut off. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got you back. We got you back. That, you know, they need to add more pass rushers. Obviously, a lot were taken off the board today, but pass rush and wide receiver are two spots they're going to need to address here uh, moving forward. You know, Josh, you kind of mentioned it's a quiet day for the Dolphins, for the Bills, and I've seen a few comments already in here saying kind of disappointed the team hasn't signed anyone. It's kind of the uh, alternate universe here because last year the, the Dolphins were one of the most aggressive teams going after Byron Jones. And we mentioned Shaq Lawson, Kyle Van Noy. Based on the fact that a lot of those faces that they signed last year are already out the door, it, can it be a good thing that maybe the Bills and the Dolphins are being patient this year? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, obviously the, the biggest target left in regards to wide, wide receiver at free agency is Kenny Galladay who, you know, the Dolphins are going after. You know, I've been told multiple times by different people on both sides that there's interest between those two. But they're waiting for the that second tier to, to see their market value, the Will Fullers, the, um, you know, even a guy that was just cut by the Buffalo Bills last week and John Brown, who's from Miami. You know, there could be um, interest there on both sides. So um, obviously they're going to they're gonna aim high, but, it, you know, if they don't get that Kenny Galladay, there's definitely – um, a floor there in regards to talent that could fit uh, this offense's needs as they, they move forward with, you know, their current quarterback to a tongue of You bring up John Brown. I think that's you know an interesting kind of segue here because I think bills fans are, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of mixed in terms of what they're, 
thinking next year in terms of wide receiver two. A lot of people believe in Gabriel Davis. A lot of people are wondering if the Bills have the wherewithal to add another player. And one person that continues to kind of come up now as we get a couple days away from the release is John Brown. Is it a situation where he can kind of get out on the free free agent market, maybe not see his value is not as high as he might have thought? And does it make sense to kind of just run it back? Or is it a situation, Ryan, where you put up a story last week when he had a, a, an interview on Sirius XM radio and it did not sound like he was all too pleased with how things ended in Buffalo? Um what do you think about that fit there? First of all, on John Brown, struggles to stay healthy a little bit at times over the course of his career, was healthy in, in 19, obviously a couple injuries in 20, not getting any younger, but he is that over-the-top speed threat. How would he fit in there, and is that the kind of weapon that Atua, Tug of Viola, could, could really take advantage of? Yeah, the, I actually listed John Brown on my top targets for the Dolphins here in free agency as the you know Monday began at the top of the day. I think John Brown would be a nice fit. I think obviously he brings experience. I know there's the questions about the injuries and the Dolphins already have injury issues. Devontae Parker, he's got, uh, you know, a string of injury issues, um, you know, with those um, tight muscle um, type injuries. John Brown, though, when he is healthy, he brings that speed element. But not only that, um, I think in dissecting, you know, his film, learning more about him, um, he kind of plays to the strengths of what Tua likes to to do in the inter intermediate middle parts of the field. And, you know, the Dolphins offense is going to look a, a bit different um, this upcoming season with Eric uh, Studesville and, and George Godsey as co-offensive coordinators. You know, they're going to bring different elements to the table and who knows how a, a John Brown fits. But it, in regards to his strengths, I know injuries aside, uh, that speed and attacking that middle part, those middle parts of the field, that's where Tua um, likes to attack. He likes those tight windows. Um, and I think John Brown's speed fits well in, in, a, in a potential match there. So let's dive into um, a little bit. I'll let you take it from, from here. Uh, but I did find this list that you were looking for, Ryan, because Mike Giardi tweeted out the laundry list of moves that the Patriots have made today. Uh, Jonu Smith, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Matthew Judon, Henry Anderson, David Godshaw, Jalen Mills, uh, brought back their own Carl Davis and Dietrich Wise. A lot of activity uh, uncharacteristic spending. And then in the, in New York, Carl Lawson, uh, the big uh, edge rush target that a lot of teams, I think, had earmarked that for their teams to hopefully go after. He goes to the Jets on a big deal. And then Corey Davis, who, you know, could wind up being quite the uh, addition, uh, depending on how that works out. I, I'm, I'm a little bit intrigued about matching him up with um, Denzel Mims. But Ryan, first off, and then we'll toss it over to Josh, thoughts on just the day that the Patriots had. Yeah, it's been an uh, uncharacteristic day. You know, for many, many years under the Belichick regime, we haven't seen the Dolphins spend money. Uh, it feels like Stefan Gilmore a few years ago was the first time where they really went out and they, they kind of went away from that targeted second tier players because at the time they had Tom Brady. They had a great roster intact. They didn't have to go out and attack anyone. But they've been really aggressive uh, as of today going out and signing, you know, John New Smith, uh, probably one of the top two tight end targets in this year's free agent class with Hunter Henry, uh, getting a lot of help on both sides of the ball. And obviously they're going to get a lot of those players that opted out last year as well. So it's going to be interesting. But but Josh, what have you thought about the Patriots day so far? Yeah, specifically with a, a guy that Matt mentioned, Devin Godchow, he suffered a, a torn biceps injury for the Dolphins uh, like early on in the season, I think week week five or week six. Uh, in the middle of a contract year, and he still got decently paid by 
New England. I think what's most interesting, Ryan, is that, um, you know, Kamu Grugier Hill, Davin Godchow, they went to the Patriots and the Texans. And then obviously, you know, there's that unique uh, AFC East, uh, you know, with the Patriots, but also that New England tie. Brian Flores, the, the Dolphins coach, you know, he knows obviously Bill Belichick and, and Casario very well. Uh, so for those not necessarily losing out to, to the Patriots and, and Casario, but it was interesting that, you know, these ties, uh, you know, both within the AFC East and, you know, how Bill Belichick and his disciples that um, the Dolphins had a few guys end up going there. You know, one of the, you know, the thing that sticks out, I know that a lot of Bills fans, tight end was the one area that if you really nitpick on this offense, and, you know, I know everybody wants a better running game, but the one area of this offense that wasn't as productive was the tight end position. Jonu Smith, everybody had him circled early on in the process. We had plenty of people on the show that talked about, you know, his potential. And obviously Bill Belichick sees that, and they know something about success at that position. Rob Gronkowski uh, has had hit most of his Hall of Fame career there. I'm a little bit, the signing first things first and foremost, what jumps out at you is the 30 plus million dollars in guaranteed money, which I think is a, quite a gamble with questions at the quarterback position. And secondly, Johnu Smith as productive as he has been the last two years and coming off of an eight touchdown season in a run heavy offense, very impressive stuff for that kind of money from, for me, Josh, that has to be a slam dunk. And I'm not so sure that you could sit here in March and say that it's going to be with all the questions around in that offense and still without a, a number one raw receiver, even after some signings. Yeah. Especially at the top of the show, how we talked about how it was a mostly quiet day and, you know, teams are, are sitting pat waiting for moves to happen to, to basically judge the floor, judge the market. I mean, that was a splash signing when it comes to the tight end position. Uh, the Dolphins, Mike Kosicki, he's heading into a contract year. Does he use this as leverage and his performance, uh, you know, trying to get a contract extension midseason as the Dolphins compete with Buffalo long-term for that top AFC East spot? Probably. Um, so you talk about the price point, the return, I, obviously, you know, we got to wait and see. Um, I think what did play Cam Newton last year, not just Cam Newton, but, you know, all the Patriots quarterbacks was their lack of weapons. You know, they got some today, but outside of Johnny, there weren't that top, top uh, tier guys. So um, I still think at the end of day one, the Patriots are still, you know, that kind of that distant third um, from Buffalo in that top spot in the AFC East. And then obviously Miami in number two. You know, it wasn't that long ago that Bill Belichick absolutely raved about Jonu Smith. Uh, it was the playoff matchup a few years ago where he said he does maybe the best in terms of yard, uh, running after the catch and he can do everything, he can block. So so maybe the signing wasn't a, a huge surprise based on how much Belichick seemed to like him. Could this also be a move for the future? Because obviously when it comes to young quarterbacks, something the Patriots are probably going to have to address here sooner rather than later one of the best weapons you can have for them is a reliable tight end. So maybe is John U. Smith not so much for a Cam Newton in 2021 than he is for maybe, and I'm just throwing a Mac Jones out there or some other rookie that maybe they're going to try to develop and bring along here in the near future. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, again, from the Dolphins perspective, you look at what Devontae Parker has done, all the quarterbacks he played with uh, the past three years is during the Dolphins struggles. And he went out and earned a, you know, a very, hefty contract extension and now he's playing with uh you know what they hope to be their future face of the franchise i know everyone's talking about deshaun watson and where he's going to end up you know two afc east destinations new york and miami have been linked uh, multiple times but uh, Devontae parker was a guy who played with multiple quarterbacks uh before ending up with the tua 
uh, who they did have some chemistry this year. I think that, you know, two has obviously got to build, you know, a more comfort level with all of the receivers, Devontae Parker included. But that is a great point, Ryan, uh, of how you find a fit with John who at that position, making an impact, not just with Cam Newton, but whoever, you know, that end up, they end up making their, their franchise quarterback here in the next level over the next several months. Um, obviously Miami, the, the closest competition in the AFC East, I still believe even with, um, you know, a lackluster first year from Tua, I, I expect him to take a, a jump. How big of a jump we'll see, but Bill's fans are going to want to be following Josh Tolentino. Let them know where they can find you and all your work. Yeah. At JCT sports. And obviously at the athletic mat, I always appreciate uh, you and Ryan for having me come on. You know, the dolphins are playing catch up. We saw just how far back they are in talent. Uh, you know, compared to the Bills and, you know, the Bills were playing their backups in that uh, second half of that week 17 game and they were still uh, kicking their butts. So uh, the Dolphins have some catch up to do. And, uh, you know, after day one, they still, you know, there's still a long way to go in regards to the competition level here in the AFC East. Awesome stuff as always, Josh. Thank you. Enjoy that weather and we'll catch up soon. All right. Appreciate you guys. Take care. All right. Josh Tolentino, always uh, super awesome with his time. Uh, we're going to hang out for a little bit and uh, talk a little bit about this day. And, you know, Ryan, not a lot of stuff going on from a Buffalo Bills perspective, but I think some really important stuff as we started to kind of dive into with Josh there um, from a from from a Bills perspective about what's going to happen in this division. Because we always listen to Brandon Bean talk in his press conferences. And one of the first things out of his mouth when he talks about comp competing and, and, and earning your way towards a playoff spot is is taking care of business in, in your division the bills went six and all last season and to replicate that this year i think already we're starting to see the writing on the wall that you know i think the jets and the patriots did some things today while very expensive could set them up to be a little bit tougher in 2021 and you look at the they're, they're attacking the defensive side of the ball where you know, if you're in a division with Josh Allen, you need to really stock up, stockpile players. And, you know, we mentioned Carl Lawson, uh, Gerard Davis as well, the former first-round linebacker from the Detroit Lions. He ends up with the New York Jets. And I know there, there might be some movement on the C.J. Mosley trade, but as of now, he's still there. You know, they're starting to pile up pieces there in New York on the defensive side of the ball. And I believe, for, correct me if I'm wrong, they they franchise tag, tag Marcus May. They still have Quentin Williams. There's some formidable players on that defense, and we know what Bill Belichick can probably do with the talent that he's now accumulated, Matthew Judon being at the top of that list. Yeah, you know, I thought Quinton Williams made a huge jump last year for the Jets, and now you throw Carl Lawson on the line with him, uh, and, and things could get uh, pretty solid there in terms of their pressure, in terms of what they can do, and, and obviously we saw the Dolphins uh, be competitive this past season after going on a shopping spree one year ago. The Patriots are trying to close that gap. But the Bills have been there before. They've been that team that's been trying to play catch up. And you can throw money at players. You can bring in the Mario Williams of the world. You can you can add some really talented guys. But at the end of the day, it comes down to quarterback play. That's the reason why the Bills never caught up to the Patriots during the Tom, Tom Brady era. Uh, Brady was just always better. He was able to lead the Patriots to the division title year in, year out. So no matter what those other teams did most years, they couldn't catch that Patriots juggernaut. And right now the Bills by far have the best quarterback in this division in Josh Allen. Tua, we don't know what, what Tua is just yet. To the people saying, you know, give up on the guy, um, it's way too early to do that. Now, th they do have to see a significant jump from him in year two. There's no doubt about that. The Jets, who knows what they're even doing at quarterback right now. 
Sam Darnold could get traded as, you know, tomorrow and I wouldn't be surprised. He could be there in week one and I wouldn't be surprised. Everything's up in the air there. And and then we saw Cam Newton. We saw a quarterback that played pretty well early in his time with New England. He obviously went through COVID, dealt with that, played really poorly in the second half of the season. His arm didn't look right. Um, But there were some flashes there. But at the end of the day, none of those quarterbacks compared to what Josh Allen does and brings to this team. So as splashy as some of these signings are, I'm not sure that any of them significantly close that gap right now. Now, if one of them get that quarterback, then we're really going to be talking. Or if Tua develops into that guy, we'll really be talking about a competitive AFC East here for the foreseeable future. Yeah, like I think like, you know, the the pieces that have been added already in free agency and we'll see what happens in the draft. Obviously, the Jets are going to be able to add some talent there, and the Patriots are, you know, have pick number fifteen, so they probably add a uh, an, a potential impact player in year one, depending on which way that they go. Uh, it, it's going to be a tougher, you know, um, trek through the division, and and that's fine. I think the Bills are built for that. I think the Bills have what what they have going for them is the fact that it their strength is their offense. They've I really like the moves that you know now that we've kind of been able to sit back and look at the last couple days uh and, and let things crystallize a little bit i really like the part of this where they can go into week one with a potential offensive line look of deon dawkins cody ford mitch morris john feliciano and daryl williams whatever you think about any one of those individual players with a chance to let them hit the ground running with everybody healthy if you're a bills fan knock on wood and and see what that looks like over the course of the first month of the season and you know, having a fully healthy John Feliciano. One of the things that I think fans don't think about enough is the effect that some of these injuries have on players that like linger and, you know, coming back, rehabbing, trying to get yourself to a hundred percent. And we even saw when Feliciano came back, remember he was trying to get back by the Raiders game. And Brandon Bean said like everybody had to kind of dial things down a little bit um, for him. So I think that, you know, you, you, you kind of also wonder like, all right, how healthy was he when he got back? And he'll probably never really tell you the whole story because these guys are competitors and, and everything else. But, you know, I think that the, the bills definitely, um, you know, stood pat with a team that I think was all re- so far with a team that was already kind of heads and head and shoulders above everybody else in the division. And as long as those quarterback, the quarterback situation is the way that it is in this division. I'm not sweating it. I don't know about no. you, Ryan. No. And, to the fans that say, I wish the Bills would do something, they already did. They signed two guys that on a lot of lists were top 30 free agents in Matt Milano right. and Daryl Williams. And, and yeah, they're their own guys. So maybe that takes a little of the excitement away from it. But that's still two areas that you've addressed. You know your linebacker duo is going to be solid again in 2021. They've been together. They're still growing. They're going to get better each year together. You know what you have in Daryl Williams uh, but you, you mentioned it, this offensive line, see what they can do. Ryan Bates, another year in for solid depth. There's a chance you bring back Ike Bucker as a restricted free agent, and there's solid depth there. Uh, Trey Adams in his second year, who knows what you have there. Th- there's still pieces that are going to get added. Brendan Bean always adds those extra pieces, but the Bills have already gone out and made some pretty significant moves. It's just been their own players. And are there still things to address? Absolutely. I've seen a lot of uh, fans here in the chat talking about cornerback number two. Uh, Matt, I think you and I both really like Dane Jackson, but I think we're both also realistic saying there has to be some legitimate competition for Mm -hmm. him. You don't just want to hand a job to someone based on some flashes that you saw. 
uh, in his rookie year, no matter how impressive those flashes were, there needs to be that veteran presence. You still need possibly a tight end, someone to replace uh, John Brown's speed at wide receiver. You know, the list goes on and on. And obviously, you still probably want to add another edge rusher into the mix, too. Once they brought back Mario Addison on that restructured deal of him taking that pay cut, you know, he, he's pretty much there. You're going to have Jerry Hughes. You're going to have A.J. Epinesa. You'd like to bring in one other player, at least for that rotation, that can push uh, Bam Johnson and some of these other guys for playing time. The Bills like to rotate. So still moves to be made. No one is denying that. But the Bills are in really good shape right now, to your, you know, to your point. little update here. Um Trey Hendrickson signs with the Bengals. So Carl Lawson goes to New York. Uh, the Bengals re- uh, replace him with Hendrickson, who I know a lot of Bills fans had been talking about the last couple of weeks. I mean, had a huge breakout year last year, 13 and a half sacks. And it's something I want to talk about with all these guys. I mean, Lawson, um, now Hendrickson, uh, Yannick and in- Ngakwe uh, signing a big deal. Um it's a gamble. Matthew Judon to a degree as well. Bud Dupree going for a massive deal. We were talking with Nate Geary. And by the way, follow us on Twitter. Twitter Spaces is this new audio only kind of hangout um, initiative that the platform started. We, we did it one earlier tonight. It was pretty cool. What do you think of the format, Ryan? I thought it was fun. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect. So I'm sitting there like smiling in front of my phone <laughs> like a <laughs> schmuck, not knowing it was just audio. And then I'm like, okay, it yes. took me a minute. And I'm like, okay, well, now I can just kind of sit back and relax. I, I really like that. I didn't know no? that you were I didn't know that you were waiting for that. Oh, yes. Luke mentions when is uh the nightman being gonna strike? This one of the reasons why we wanted to do this later kind of show is in case something kind of pops here late night, we can have some instant reaction for you guys. Um so we'll see. We'll be we'll be on for a, a bit longer here, and we'll talk about uh, so, so some other things. But my point being on the edge rusher situation, we saw Yannick Ngakwe unhappy in Jacksonville, force his way out, get a trade in Minnesota, not produce. Then force his way out of there, get a trade to Baltimore, and not produce. And I think that it's a gamble when you, when you're a scheme fit and and, and you. Uh, your coaches spend time developing you and know your strengths and know how to put you in a position to be successful and you produce, and then you go into a new system and, you know, based on what they think you can do, it's a gamble at the price point that we're seeing 15 plus million per season for these guys, 18 million for, for Bud Dupree coming off of that injury. This is crazy money. And I think it's too much. It's too rich for my blood, even in a normal cap year, because I think, the end of the day, like, you know, obviously it was a mega deal for Khalil Mack. And I look back at that situation and the, the Raiders would have, had to pay, would have had to pay him a lot of money. They traded him to Chicago. But then a couple of years later, they they go almost to that point for I, what I think is a much lesser version of what you traded away. And I think the key in this league at that position is trying to find that guy in a rookie deal. I'm not saying that that's going to be A.J. Epinesa. But you got to try to do your due diligence to try to do it because if you can land that piece, I almost think in a lot of ways that can be as disruptive of, of a force for your team in a division and in a conference as hitting on a quarterback can be. Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, it's interesting. I was thinking back, actually, it might have been today, earlier this afternoon. On one of our recent shows, we were talking about all the edge rushers in, in free agency, and there, there was about 15 deep, solid edge rushers. And once these guys all go and find new homes, 
I started thinking, you know, maybe it's not unrealistic that the number two edge rusher in this draft class could fall to Buffalo at number 30. And if that happens, that might be the answer. You, then you have two young guys in Epinesa and whoever that draft pick may be. And then you have the two veterans in Addison and Hughes who, you know, the air parents are behind them. You can rotate them in. It was something interesting to think about because there's just so much talent there. It, you know, to your point about the money, Hendrickson was one of my least favorite free agents in this year's class. And I hope he proves me wrong because I like the Bengals. I want to see the Bengals do well. That fan base kind of suffers, uh, kind of like what the Bills did for all those years during the drought. They have a young quarterback there. I'd like to see them put both sides of the ball together. But when I watched a lot of Hendrickson's games last year, it felt like his sacks a lot of the time came where he was cleaning up plays based on the players around him, the talent around him. And I, like I said, prove me wrong. I would be very happy for him and the Bengals. Um, but but it does also say something. that They're willing to let Carl Lawson go to replace him with a Hendrickson. So maybe they weren't sold on Carl Lawson. Uh, and, you know, they had him for quite a few seasons. Maybe they just thought, okay, we've seen what's the best out of him. Let's try to replace it with someone we think we can be who can be better, spend a little bit more money or, or similar money in that instance, uh, and just try to get better at that position. But that's also interesting to me because they, they could have franchised Lawson and then worked on a long-term deal. They had other options there, but they willingly let him go. So, uh, yeah, pass rushers, though, big gamble. Wait for those Tier 2, Tier 3 guys. Maybe there's someone that the Bills can just bring in for more competition there. Still a ton of talent, though, Matt, at wide receiver, and that's what intrigues me. And there's some big players out there that, okay, they didn't sign anywhere yet. You've Curtis seen- Samuel is still out there. Indeed. Indeed he is. <laughs> that was a whole I funny like, I like him, but yeah. Nate Geary got got. So did you a little bit, too. Well, right? I, he, I think he retweeted it because oh. I saw it. And uh, I saw it and I'm like, oh, and I never I didn't look anything up on it, but I knew he was talking about because it, it showed up in my timeline. Uh, so when he mentioned that, I was like, oh, I did see something about that. But, yeah, it was one yeah. of those fake accounts hey. is the season and uh, crazy I- money for Curtis Samuel, which that's the first thing that got my ears per because he was reading off the deal. to me. And he was like four, four years, 48 million or something crazy like that. And I was like. Man, in a in a year like this where Kenny Galladay hasn't gone yet and everybody's kind of waiting, that's a pretty big jump to kind of jump in right there. So I was like, wow, okay, that's that's interesting. Um, but no, he's still on the market and there's plenty of uh, of wide receivers. But you know, to your point about the draft, go back to the um 2019 draft where there was a you know, obviously it was the Nick Bosa draft. And so he goes number two to the 49ers, but then everything kind of gets shaken up and it's like Kellen Farrell goes at, at number four to the Raiders. Mm. God knows why. Uh, Josh Allen goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then Rashawn Gary goes to the Packers. And Brian Burns, who ended up being, in my for my money, probably the number two pass rusher and has a chance to, depending on how Nick Bosa bounces back. I mean, he was, he, he's been really good the last two years. And he's the fourth or fifth guy off the board. And in a class where the you know defensive end isn't as strong to your point. Yeah. If a Gregory Rousseau from Michigan falls to that spot, man, that's one of those things where you jump off, you probably jump off your chair and run the thing. Cause mm-hmm. you don't get that opportunity too often where maybe you get the one or two best edge rusher in a draft. No. And, and just like any other draft, you know, there's going to be three or four quarterbacks that go in round one. This is another really deep wide receiver draft, but it's top heavy just like last year. So there's going to be three, four, five wide receivers that go. You know that Kyle Pitts is going early, some offensive linemen. 
So it's not unrealistic to think that the number two, number three edge rusher could fall to number 30. And if number one or number two on Buffalo's board is still there at 24, 25, who's to say that Brendan Bean does not move up for that player? We've seen him be aggressive. 30 to 24, 30 to 25, he wouldn't have to be too aggressive there. But if his guy is there on the board and he's standing out on Buffalo's draft board and it addresses a major need, I could see that happening. Now, I'm not saying he's going to move up from 30 to 10, 30 to 15, but low, mid-20s, I could absolutely see that happening to get his guy. What um, What do you think was the most impactful um, move in the division today? Let's open it Ooh, up to just division. that. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were going to go overall, and I had my answer ready. Oh, uh, well, hit, hit us with that first, and then we'll, 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 okay. we'll, we'll work our way back. If well, you guys have any questions, drop them in the chat. We'll talk about anything you want. I saw some running back uh, conversation. We could definitely hit on that as well, but we'll, let's see where this goes. Yeah, big winner for me today is the Chargers. Um, t- mm-hmm. You know, maybe one of the toughest divisions in the NFL. Obviously, any division that has the the Chiefs in it's one of the toughest. But they went out and, and they added Lindsley Lindsley today, and they also added Filer, two offensive linemen who are going to be day one starters there for the Chargers. You have a young franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert who you believe in. Uh, you have some talent there on offense already besides Herbert in some of those running backs some of those wide receivers, and Hunter Henry, who is still out there right now, spoke to TMZ recently, a little day or two ago, in fact, and said, you know, I'm not ruling out returning to the, to the Chargers. I love Justin Herbert. So if there's not that market for him and he returns there, now you have some stud offensive linemen, one of the best centers in the league. That offense has even more promise now. So I thought they were the overall big winners of the day. I actually had the Bengals as the big losers for – missing out on those offensive linemen and not really doing much and losing Carl Lawson too on the other side, but at least now they address Hendrickson Uh, within the division though, going back to your original question, I think it would have to be Johnu Smith. Um, Obviously he still has to prove himself a little bit. That was a high amount of money that he, he earned and received. I think he's the number three tight end now in the league in terms of salary. Which is crazy, right? Because I don't know if I'm ready to even entertain the idea of putting him in the class of a George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. And he's got more guarantee in his current deal, guarantee money, than Travis Kelsey has in his. And I know Travis Kelsey is a little bit older, no doubt about it. But if we're talking about production, I mean, I'm I'm buying into the next four years of Travis Kelsey before I'm buying into the next four years of Johnny Smith. It's just Yeah, no, and I agree, but... But if you looked at the Patriots last year, they had a, they had a boatload of problems. Don't get me wrong, but the one area where they really struggled was at the tight end position. That was you've mentioned it today. I've mentioned it. Rob Gronkowski for so many years carried the load there at tight end, and then they'd have a quality number two tight end, a veteran that could also come in and contribute there here and there. Uh, that was always a big part of their offense with Tom Brady. Last year, they drafted two rookies who contributed nothing. They did, their veterans did nothing. They were lost. So at least with Janu Smith, I'm not sure he'll he'll play up to that salary. Don't get me wrong. But he helps Bill Belichick, and he helps Josh McDaniels in terms of what he likes to do offensively because now you actually do have a weapon there, a threat there, someone that is good with the ball in his hands after the catch in terms of creating and making things happen, someone who can block. Uh, you know how much they like those all-around tight ends because Gronkowski developed into one of those all-around tight ends that can block, can catch, can run after the catch. That's what they have in a Johnny Smith. Now, will he live up to that contract? Who knows? But in terms of impact, that's my number one signing in the division today. 
I'll, I'll go a little bit different direction just because, um, you know, just let's, let's spruce it up a little bit. Um, I think Corey Davis low key has the chance to be, and let me tell you why the first thing you see when you see the deal and the guaranteed money, I mean, they paid Corey Davis, the New York jets did. Uh, he was the number two receiver for former first round pick of the, um, Tennessee Titans. And, you know, kind of had a nice situation there. It allowed him to kind of be the, 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 the Robin to what I think AJ Brown had become the Batman, but they kind of shared the load this last season. I think both of them were pretty good. Three years, $37.5 million for Corey Davis, which you, for, at first glance, that's a lot of money. And, you know, they went out and they brought in Brashad Perriman last year. I $27 million of that is guaranteed. I think this is a much more significant move, obviously. But he's also a number two. So you start to think, okay, well, you know, number two receiver, number one money. I don't know if that completely makes sense. But then you start to think about what's around, what's what kind of weapons they already have in place there. I think Denzel Mims has that really high ceiling of potential. I remember, you know, being back in Indianapolis last year, the last like normal event that we had. And I remember having some conversations with people saying, listen, we think Denzel Mims could be a guy that pops in this draft. Like big time. So we'll see. He's got size. I think he's kind of like that, you know, really nice young number two option. And I think Corey Davis has done enough in Tennessee to maybe take that one, almost what John Brown was when he first got to Buffalo. I'm just like, going to mention know, it. Yes. Like, yep. you know, he was a, a one, but he's not really a one. And I think together they can create some, some nice things if they can figure out the quarterback, which is a whole other conversation. Don't forget also, they have Chris Herndon there, Ryan, which I think there's always been this hope for Chris Herndon to break out. He's had injuries and he's had off the field issues and all this other stuff. I'm so interested to see the next part of this is going to be, I, I put this on hold until Mar May 1st, because I want to see what they do in the draft. If they stick with Sam Darnold, if they stick with Sam Darnold, I'm more bullish on that trio than I will be. If they go for a rookie quarterback, what are your thoughts on all of that? I guess. Well, starting with the wider series, I was really high in Denzel Mims coming out. I was actually intrigued last year when Buffalo met with him on Zoom, and it was after the Stefan Diggs uh, trade. And, you know, it was a deep wide receiver class. They obviously eventually addressed that with Gabriel Davis, who panned out in a huge way. Uh, you know, he, he was outstanding, especially where they were able to get him. Uh, but Mims, I, I loved his game. I thought he flashed at times the last time where – you know, Perriman had his moments, but they didn't have anywhere close to a number one wide receiver. And I thought Mims stepped up and, and played well, given the circumstances. So I think that a Corey Davis, despite being more of a tr traditional number two wide receiver, is going to help him out significantly. Mims, that is, in, in terms of who's covering him, matchups, things like that. And then if he ends up being their number one wide receiver, well, then that frees up Corey Davis, who we know can be a number two wide receiver. He flashed. Uh, in that game against Buffalo last year, he's flashed at times in his career. He was a very high draft pick, obviously, uh, for the, the Titans when they selected him. So uh, there's still hope there, too. But, yeah, it, now, now if, I'm the, if I'm a Jets fan, my full attention turns to the quarterback situation. I like Sam Darnold. I think he can still be salvaged. I think he can still be a good quarterback. I'm just not sure it can be with the Jets. Um, I think that if you can get a day two pick for him and something else, do it, go and then take who you think is the number two quarterback in this draft class. You know, they have scouts, they have 
high personnel. It's up to them to pick the right guy, whether they think that's Zach Wilson, whether they think that's Justin Fields, uh, whether they think that's Trey Lance. Uh, I don't, I highly doubt it would be Mac Jones in that class of, you know, in terms of being quarterback number two. But maybe if you have some of those guys close, trade back a little bit and then take, you know, if you know you feel comfortable that one of those two guys will be there that you're you're high on. That's the next move for the Jets in terms of closing the gap in the AFCs because it, it doesn't matter who they sign right now. There's still that significant gap roster-wise, but that can shrink in significantly if they get the right signal caller. You know, I want to shift the gears to the to the edge rusher a little bit because I think one question I think I saw it out on social media and it's it's a pertinent one for in here as well is oh Dan got Graziano uh I'm looking it up here. yeah one, looking it up right now yeah you know, let's get that up here because we can dive into that conversation which is a, a juicy one that we might have to stay up a little bit later Ryan we might have to stay on and keep talking until maybe there's a, a something that comes out here. Cleveland got the safety it needed, and they're still looking for okay. Oh, boy. okay, fine. Yeah, Bills seem like they're just trying to bring back the great team they had last year. Though tight end is a spot where I believe they are trying to add. So he was he's responding to a lot of fans about a lot of teams. So I had to go down quite a bit there. It was only eight minutes ago, but he's responding about every team. So you know, not to run it back on tight ends. Hunter Henry's still out there. Would he take a one year deal to come to Buffalo or? Or maybe actually, you know what? It probably wouldn't be a one-year deal. It'd probably be multiple years where he'd have a low cap hit in 2021. Uh, Is he willing to do that, play ball a little bit if Buffalo thinks he can be healthy and and be a difference maker? Because when healthy, you could talk about him from a talent standpoint being in the upper echelon of tight ends. Uh, Is it a Dan Arnold, someone that you and I have talked about extensively? Is it a veteran? Let me ask you about that. Because if money is not an issue, right? Gerald Everett versus Dan Arnold, because I know that you're super high on Arnold. Where where do you fall out on that? Because I think from a passing game perspective, I think Everett, I might give him the small. I love the the traits and the size of an Arnold, but I like the proven playmaking ability of an Everett. Where, where do you land on that? I'm not going to sit here and act like I've watched every Gerald Everett game, but I've seen flashes of superstardom and then major dis- like where he just disappears at times or he, right. he's not a factor. And I feel like, you know, and I know you said price point doesn't matter. I, I just feel like he's going to make significantly more than Arnold and maybe I'll be proven wrong on that. And I think maybe we know what his ceiling is. He kind of reminds me a little bit of a more polished Dawson Knox. He makes these wow plays. He really impresses you. But then at times he's like, where is this guy? He's not really being featured in our offense. He's not doing much. Mm-hmm. Dan Arnold was not a big part of the Cardinals offense last season, yet he really flashed when they did get him the ball. He he made the most of his opportunities. I think if you could get him in, in an offense where uh, the tight end is more of a focal point. Now, is that Buffalo? I'm going all over the place here, but Buffalo has never really included the tight end in my lifetime. I'd have to probably go back to the Jay Reamersma days. Um, but if they're going to make a concerted effort to to involve the tight end, I would like to see a Dan Arnold in here. So it, it's going to be interesting. There's obviously veterans we can talk about, too, if you're, you're talking. Again, Kyle Rudolph we've mentioned many times. Jared Cook, who you know I know some fans are like, he's old. I don't want him in here. There's something to be said about a veteran presence, someone who is solid still despite his age. So there's options out there. It's just going to come down to the Bills being patient and finding someone at that right price point that they think can be a contributor to this team. 
I'm going over some tight end numbers on pro football focus. Um, just trying to kind of collect my thoughts here on the tight end position. Jason Kroom, 2020, one target, one reception, one touchdown for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the 14th highest graded uh, receiving grade on pro football focus. If you take <laughs> out the filter on, on snap count. Uh, isn't that just so funny? And, and you look at, at some other players, obviously we've talked about Logan Thomas a little bit and the success that he's gone on to have uh, in Washington. Good for him. Uh, great story that he has. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of look at like, you're right on Everett because I think the problem that you find in the Rams offense with Cooper cup and, you know, before when it was Brandon cooks and Robert Woods and, um, uh, who is their uh, Tyler Higby, all mm-hmm. these playmakers in their offense. I think the more those numbers kind of catapult up the you can have guys that kind of get lost for a while. And I think it can help you in a lot of ways because it can keep contract numbers down because, you know, stats, production is not uh, always at a super high level across the board because there's only so many balls to go around. But I think that um, that's a great point. And, and, and you look at, okay, what's the alternative there? Do you consider maybe a one-year, see how much he's got left deal for Jared Cook, who still had eight touchdowns with the Saints last year? I'm not necessarily sure he's a scheme fit. And, you know, I've read a little bit about that, and maybe that's an issue. But, and you also don't want to take more opportunities away from Dawson Knox. So you're, it's almost like a catch 22 here if you're Brandon hmm. Bean. You're, you might be screwed depending on either way that you go, whether you bring somebody in or you don't. Yeah, I mean, you could end up stunting his growth, but you could also end up um, maybe having the wrong guy. Maybe Knox isn't the guy. I love his skill set. I love his traits. I love his athleticism. But who's to say that all comes together? We've seen many talented players who meet all those physical traits, but they don't ever put it all together on both sides of the ball. So, you know, we can't sit here and say for sure, you know, Dawson Knox just needs another year or two, and then it's all going to come together. We can hope that we can think that it's a possibility because I genuinely think it is a legitimate possibility. But at the same time, you want to also have someone that can come in here this year, push Dawson Knox, teach Dawson Knox, and maybe be a red zone threat for the Bills. Maybe, you know, maybe that is the the goal of what they're looking for. You know, we'll we'll try to get you the ball in the the regular passing game, but down inside the 20, inside the red zone, that's where we're really going to target you. That's where it's going to come in and you're going to be a big factor for this team. So it's going to be interesting to see who they sign if they sign someone here in the near future. Yeah. I'm I'm very interested to see where they go. If they do spend some, some free agent dollars, obviously we, we, we mentioned the, the Graziano report on tight end. I still think the defensive line is some, an area where, but you know, at the same time you start thinking about the numbers and, and what they have on the roster and the contributions that Daryl Johnson gives on special teams. And you wonder if they're not just okay with maybe coming back and hoping for the jump from AJ Epinesa. They gave the, you know, they, they restructured Mario Addison. They're obviously bringing him back. He's a part of the plan. And, you know, this was, this transitions kind of right into what I wanted to talk about before we got into tight end. And maybe we'll wrap up there because I mean, we could Ryan, We realistically could be sitting here thinking, Thursday and still not have a move done by Brandon Bean because you know this could be a long play not only for the league but for the Bills especially. What are your thoughts on a Carlos Dunlap? Because he's a guy that similarly to Addison is is getting older. A lot of his really good production years 
you know, we're, we're a couple years removed from it. Uh, you know, that 13 sack season, I think four years ago, and he's been up close to 10, the last couple, but uh, you know, you wonder, you know, when, when it goes for a pass rusher, it goes. And if you add a guy like Carlos Dunlop, even on a, a nice contract number, if he's not going to come in here and bring the kind of production that, you know, you remember Carlos Dunlap being able to produce, I'm not so sure if that's the move. And I think that's why I definitely veer more towards a Jadavian Clowney, where I think you go into that from the start, knowing that the sack production is not something where that's going to be the, your barometer for success. It's more about what he can do in the run game and in setting the edge, which I think is something where against the Patrick Mahomes, if that's what you have to beat, if that's the kind of guy that you got to take care of, we saw it last year when he gets outside the pocket, it's it's game over a lot of the time. So adding a guy like Jadavian Clowney to me at the price point that it'll likely come with, it's intriguing. Yeah, that's definitely intriguing. I'll, I will say to Dunlap's credit, I thought that when he was traded to Seattle, he played some of his best football. Uh, he, he stood out quite a bit when he was playing against the Bills specifically, uh, when the Bills played against the Seahawks. So th- there's something to be said about that. But then you look at that defensive end room. You're taking away snaps from A.J. Epineza in some way, shape, or form if you bring in another player like Carlos Dunlap. And it's and then it, I'm okay with taking snaps away from Epineza if it's a younger player, someone that you think can be their long-term opposite him at some point. But if you already have Jerry Hughes and you already have Mario Addison, two guys who aren't going to be around much longer, and then you add a Dunlap, someone else whose career is going to be over sooner rather than later, you're not setting yourself up for success in the future. And and that's what I want to see. I want someone that still has some upside, still has some better years in front of them where maybe when Jerry Hughes walks away and goes somewhere else or retires or Mario Addison goes somewhere else and retires, you have that player already on your roster that can contribute. You're rolling the dice and you're playing a risky game when you have three guys that are that old already uh, and you're depending on them to contribute obviously in 2021, but also maybe beyond that. Mm-hmm. Plenty more to get into as we move through the free agency week. I have a feeling that we might do a couple of these. I've been talking to um, a couple folks in the market that uh, might be able to jump on with us as we react to any news as we move to closer towards Wednesday. Uh, so we'll cut it off there. And hey, you know what? Even if one of us falls asleep, maybe the other, <laughs> if something really pops later this evening, we will have your back and get something out. Otherwise, we'll be back uh, tomorrow probably. Uh, with something more for Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Uh, hope you enjoyed this. Just some just some reaction. A busy day in the AFC East, even if it wasn't for the Bills. Uh, we wanted to talk through some of that, and we'll get a more clearer picture as this thing moves along, and we see if the if the Patriots, you know, uh, or, or the or the Dolphins, who are obviously from Josh, what Josh was talking about, chasing that wide receiver. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, we'll see you soon. Take care. Enjoy uh, free agency. The buzz only lasts one one week a year. All right. Take care, everyone.